Hello, beautiful humans. Aliyah Chan here, and welcome to Human First Podcast, a space where I talk to inspiring individuals about their mental health journey in an effort to increase mental awareness, normalize struggle, and end stigma. Together, we embrace hope and celebrate all parts of the human experience. As a mental health podcast, I acknowledge that these sensitive matters may be triggering for some. If you are in crisis, please reach out to the crisis center in the area that you live in or call 911. Your safety is top priority, so please always listen in a way that feels comfortable and safe for you to do so. Thank you so much for joining me here. For the first episode of Human First Podcast, I'm so happy to share a special conversation with a very special person, Megan Livesey, about an issue that really resonates with me. Megan shares her vulnerability with us, taking us through some important topics from anorexia to abortion to post-abortion grief, which for me and my own personal journey hits close to home. In our conversation, Megan walks through the complexity of abortion and how there's so much more to the experience than the one decision, and how healing comes through recognizing that loss while owning your truth. Megan's journey is one that I can relate to and a big reason why I decided to start this podcast to begin with, and so I hope her story, her rawness, inspires you as much as it inspired me. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining me on the podcast today. I am incredibly excited to have you on and and have you talk about the issue that we're going to be talking about today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to face these issues and face this and share my experiences because I think it's so important. And if I can help one person, then that's all that matters, right? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's why I love (laughs) this like this podcast and just um the people that are coming on and willing to share their experience like I'm just so overwhelmed and grateful to have all these amazing guests on including you so well we couldn't have done it putting it on and I think that's super special yeah um so I know I know a little bit about your story and I know that it's started a couple years like a few years ago now but if you maybe want to take us through your story a little bit, wherever that story starts for you, maybe even um, giving a little brief introduction about yourself today and just how you are today. Of course. Well, I'm Megan. I am 26 years old. So it's been a bit since it started. It all really um, started when I was in high school in grade 10 or yeah, I guess grade 10. I went through a little bit of, I'd put on some weight as you do as a teenage girl. I was fluctuating mm-hmm. and I had some pretty bad comments said to me. From there, I began obsessive over food, over exercise, and that's where my anxiety really started. It started from if I didn't exercise every single day for at least an hour and go on the elliptical for an hour, if I ate anything outside of that little box of what was salads, fruits, mm-hmm. nothing like carby, anything like that. I would be so anxious and it was just something that I hadn't dealt with before and I didn't really know what was going on. Plus Mm -hmm. I was in a denial stage that anything was wrong. Um, And from there it really spiraled into an eating disorder. Um, At high, in high school, the counselor dragged me in and said, Hey, we've already contacted Mm -hmm. children 
hospital held up a picture of me in grade 11 and held up my grade 12 picture and said tell me what's wrong with these two pictures and I was like oh nothing I've just lost a little bit of weight I'm fine but there was a drastic like looking back at it now it was a very drastic difference but I didn't see that and I didn't want to admit that something was wrong and he asked me he's like Meg when was the last time you got your period and I said Mm. a year ago and it was just one of those because that's a big telltale of that you're underweight is your period so he had already called children's hospital and they had made that so then going to school after that I always felt like there were eyes on me and that I was always being watched at that point I barely leave the house like I had to get my boyfriend at the time to come pick me up because he'd be like hey where are you my friends would be like hey where are you and I'm like I can't leave the house like it's like there was a screen that I couldn't walk through Mm -hmm. because I knew that when I went to school everybody's eyes were on me because this was a talked about thing right and so from there, all that happened. I went through all that. And then gaining weight after that was very anxiety provoking for me as well, too. Obviously, losing your period for a year can cause they always give you the hey, I don't know what conception is going to be like, like when it does come to you having kids, I don't know what it's going to be like, because you have lost your period for a year, you sent yourself into early menopause, all this different stuff. Um, And so when I found myself pregnant at 21, (laughs) it was really a struggle for me because I didn't, it obviously was an accident. It's not like I was out trying to do that. And at the time, who it was with was not the most supportive. And I made the decision that I didn't think I would ever have to make. And then it's still something that I stand by. It was the best decision I ever made to have an abortion because it was, I didn't have the support. I wasn't in the right place in my life. And I don't think you ever have to justify it either as a woman. It's my body same with everybody else. And I think that until you're in that position, you don't really know what it's like to be put in that position where you make that decision. Totally. And, but after that, I, I didn't recognize up until this year. So five years later that I was grieving mm-hmm. for five years and that there was something that I couldn't explain. And nobody told me about that grieving process and it wasn't talked about at all. Yeah. And that's where I really struggled. And this year has been a really, I have support. I have people that I can talk to about it. And I was like, Hey, I think I was grieving for the last however many years it came out in different ways that I acted. It came out irrationally. There were so Mm -hmm. many things, but nobody tells you about that. Nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about the point where they're fine. And it's like, well, what is, what is in between? And some people are fine right after it and that's okay. But a lot of people aren't. And that's what the support needs to be. And I think that's, what's missing is that we all come together and say, Hey, I had an abortion. Hey, I had an abortion, but what did that look like? And where was the support in between that? And right. that I think was really important and something that I think we all need to get to because women should be supporting women, not nobody should be judging you for the choice that you made. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, you wrapped up your whole life in such a short amount of time. No, 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 no. I love it. And there's so much there. Like you touched on so many different things um in terms of an eating disorder in terms of um like adults coming to you and presenting you with that problem the pressures of school the um and then and then fertility and then at a young age and then abortion and I get like so thank like so grateful for you to just be sharing that that whole story with me um is it okay if we just touch, like, kind of go back and just sort of unpack all these different pieces? Yeah, okay. it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's, I mean, that was just a spiel of it all, but I'm more than happy to touch base on the different parts of that. 
Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, is it okay? Yeah, let's start maybe at the beginning. Um, yeah. And what really struck me was when you mentioned that this teacher kind of came up to you at school and just showed you pictures of yourself and, and was just like, where's the problem? Um, yeah. I'm wondering how that was for you at like a, such a young age to be going through this struggle and it being like pretty much placed in your face. Um, and what, what was that like for you? Um, well, it was, I think for me, like I said, I was in a really big denial. Like I didn't think that there was anything wrong. I didn't, nobody really knew. And that's what I always say to everybody is that there's no right way to approach somebody who is struggling with some sort of eating disorder mm. because you're, you don't want to admit that there's something wrong and it's a very, very hard thing. And I just, I didn't know I was in, I was angry after like I left and I was mm. like, well, why doesn't anybody else get this, like get this happen or have this happen to them? Like, why isn't so-and-so or like, why am I the one that's being pointed out? And like this person's lost weight, why are they not? So I didn't see the issue. Okay. Yeah. For me, it was just an really angry moment. Like I was mad because I didn't see anything wrong. And I also didn't want to change anything because I had finally gotten down. Like it was an obsessive thing where I'd finally gotten down to this tiny little size right. and it was unhealthy for me. And it just, it was proven in my actions, but then I didn't want to go and like gaining weight caused me a lot of anxiety. And I knew that with this being pointed out, I was going to have to gain weight. And that's right. where the problems would start because I completely yeah. shot my metabolism. Like I didn't have a metabolism anymore. So yeah, it, it was a very angry moment for me and I didn't fully understand what the issue was. And now looking yeah. back at it, I can totally see what the issue is. So yeah, yeah. yeah it was, I, it can was a I was going to say, yeah, I can imagine that anger. Cause I'm, I'm just thinking like, here you are, you have this goal in your mind. Like when, yeah. when someone is struggling with eating disorder, sometimes, yeah, that number, that, that weight is, is so important. And so here you are, you've reached it. And yeah. instead of getting that validation or affirmation that you're probably wanting from others, instead it was seen as a, a bad thing. And so I hear like why that was probably so frustrating to have that thrown in your face and be like, well, what I did this for me. And now you don't like, you're saying it's a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. And I got criticized when I was a larger weight. And then I was criticized when I was a smaller and it just didn't, and I shouldn't have been doing it for anybody other than myself. But at that point I was, because I was, I, you, you're a 16, 17 year old girl. All you want is to be perfect to everybody. And you didn't like, yeah. it was just a very weird time for me. And looking back at it, I'm like, it shouldn't, it, if somebody had said those things to me at this point in my life, whatever right. their opinion, I don't care. But at that age, you're such a vulnerable, like you're so young, you're growing, you see all these things on social media and in the magazines of these skinny girls. And you know, what yeah. should you aspire to be that? And when somebody makes a mean comment, when you're a little bit heavier, it drives you to do that. And I just got caught up in that. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a weird, I don't think I fully understood it at that point. Right. Yeah. Would you say then, um, would you say that those pressures for you and your experience came from the like societal pressures or was there anything else for you that you found was just drawing you to, to lose the weight and, and add that pressure for yourself? It was definitely, I've always struggled with being a people pleaser. Like I've always okay. put myself there and just wanted to please everybody. And it was more a hundred percent for the people around me and for society than it was for myself, because I wasn't, I couldn't, 
I was so in control and that's what was really like I had that control and I couldn't lose that control and as soon as I right. lost that control that's when everything kind of shattered but mm-hmm. it was very much for the people around me it wasn't like I don't even know if it was for me at that point like I liked mm-hmm. the validation that oh you're losing weight you look so good and it's right. like I didn't it didn't clue into me though that hey like did I not look good before like it just was the validation mm-hmm. of hearing from people that I've lost this weight and it was all about what everybody else thought. And it wasn't about what I thought because I still looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you could still lose a bit here. You could still lose a bit there. Like this, that, like I was constantly seeing myself as bigger than I was. And I was constantly criticizing myself and I was never happy with where I was at. So yeah, yeah it was just, so, yeah. it was definitely for the people around me, which is again, I think when you're seven, 16, 17, that's, you get so much pressure from the people in high school and all that stuff. And it was just, it was a hard time. It was weird. Yeah. It, I mean, of course, I mean, yeah, I am trying to think of like myself at 16, 17 too. And looking back, yeah, it it is kind of the sad feeling that, um, those pressures are so impactful for us. And now we can look here like at our later twenties and be like, well, now someone said that to me, like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, And it's wonderful that, you know, I can be in that place, but, um, our younger selves, like it kind of, it is heartbreaking to, to think that that's how, um, unsure, is that okay? Like unsure we are about ourselves at that time. Well, the thing is that you don't, and it's not something that you would go home generally. I think that, and I say this in being myself, and I think that a lot of people are like that is that you don't go home and tell your parents about what somebody said about you. You don't want to be the person that like, I, wish that I had I wish I had gone home to my parents and then had some sort of validation at home and talked to them about what had been said about me and talked to the people around me that I cared about because then I think it would have been that support that I needed to handle it in a different way whereas I just action on my own because I was so embarrassed and I was so ashamed of what it what people said about me that at that point I didn't and I didn't go home and talk to my parents about it and I was like I should have talked to somebody about it and said hey this is what was said about me I just need to talk about it because this is what it's making me feel versus just taking that action and then it spiraled down because those words are hurtful like no matter what age you're at but the thing is that at some point you're just like you can have your opinion and it doesn't mean it's true yeah but it's not like when you're at such a vulnerable age and things are changing so drastically and all you see around you are certain images it's like well it's bound to make a hit a point and some people just I didn't have it in me to stand up for myself. And that's, what's really unfortunate. Mm, yeah. And I mean, what did it look like for you after, in terms of that support system, in terms of, um, your family's reaction, I guess, when you were presented with, this is a problem. And you said that the teacher was like, oh, I already called children's hospital. Um, I'm curious about that part. So it being such an internal problem to begin with for you, not sharing anything and now, to, or, not now but then um to the point where um the whole school kind of knew it was a problem and you didn't even want to really leave your house and what was that experience like for you what was going on for you then it was just it was my mom like I think my family knew but everybody kind of tiptoed around me and didn't I was also very like I can admit that my parents did try to bring it up sometimes in the process and I was like no I'm fine I'm fine very like brush it off and they didn't want to they didn't want to smother me and give me like if I was so sure of the fact that I'm fine then I'm fine and you know it's just 
they weren't surprised. Like my mom was not surprised when she heard about it, I don't think. Mm. And, you know, I think we were all just waiting for this to happen basically, but yeah, just, I don't think I really talked to anybody at school about it because I just didn't feel comfortable and I didn't really have a good, like the friend group in that year, it didn't really show that they were true friends. Like there were a couple instances Mm. and I didn't really know how to talk about it. So I saw a counselor, like one of the conditions was that I had to go see a counselor and I saw that counselor for four years straight after that. And she was Mm. absolutely lovely and it broke my heart leaving her. Like when it was at the point, like, no, you need to go fly free and you need to sort this out and you've got the tools and I was supposed to see a dietitian and I went once and I was like, or a nutritionist. And I, part of it is tracking your calories and tracking mm. what you eat. And that made me really anxious because that's what I'd been doing. And it right. was just, it was very anxiety provoking as well. So I saw a counselor and that was one of the conditions. So I talked to her a lot about what I was feeling, but I didn't really talk to anybody else about it because mm. I just didn't really feel comfortable or supported. And I mean, you kind of want to, it was hard with my parents because I didn't want to show that I was hurting or that this is what right. was going on. So a lot of it was to my counselor and yeah, she, she really taught me ways to cope and cope with the anxiety and stuff. And yeah, she was yeah. lovely. Yeah. I, I hear you when you say that um, it's scary to like leave a counselor after that time too, especially if she was this strong support system Um and I'm curious about that therapeutic process. Maybe it's because I'm a counselor, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I'm curious, just like, you know, what worked for you? What made that relationship so special that um, allowed you, I guess, in some way to fly on your own, as you said, um, what really stuck with you during that process? She was very, she made a point of making me feel, she was a mom as well, too, of two little girls. Mm-hmm. Um she always just made a point of making me feel special and like she was hearing me and she was understanding and she always presented me with things that were very valuable and very she really listened to me and she really gave me what I needed and she made a point of when it was my birthday and I went to see her she would have a muffin and a coffee for me and Mm. she just really created that relationship with me and she just she was a very very calm just easy like she'd just sit there and she kind of walk you through and one of my favorite and I guess you could say what am I trying to my favorite lessons that we did was she would talk to me and she'd be like okay imagine there's a river and imagine there's some grass on the side and there's a leaf floating down that river with whatever anxiety you have or whatever problem that you're feeling and it's floating down the river and you slowly watch it disappear and we just sit there and I sit there with my eyes closed and that was something that really calmed me her voice was very soothing Right. And I still use it to this day because you can just, as much as it helps when somebody's talking to you, it's at the point where you just imagine it for yourself and you see that worry floating down the river and that anxiety floating down the river and you see it disappear and how minimal it is and just, it disappears. Mm-hmm. She was just very, she listened to me and she gave me exactly what I needed and she talked me through a lot of stuff and yeah, she was yeah. very good at that. Yeah. And I, I love that visualization. I, I use that actually in my practice too. Leaves on a string yeah. is what we like to call it. It's um, so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. And I can imagine for you where these worries, there's probably so many worries for you at that time in terms of your eating disorder, in terms of the pressure, in, in terms of what people are going to think about you at that time at 16, 17, and allowing those worries to float away 
I can sense that there was this sense of relief and like, okay, we, what, what really is important and, and what do I want to stick and not float down the river and, and kind of like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a reprioritization of your values. Is yeah. This coming up for me. Definitely. It was very, it's kind of what you need. Sometimes it's hard, like I said, to do it by myself. And I would be so worried about what everybody else was thinking. And all I needed to do was go to her and see how minimal that was and all of it. Like I shouldn't be thinking about anybody else and these little issues that are floating down the river can disappear. And it's just, it's more so your, when you realize that you're in control of that and that your mind mm-hmm. is creating these things that aren't necessarily true. And also that these things, for example, when I was in high school, what these people were thinking, it's not going to matter in five years, is it? No, because right. it's just, here we are. That, <laughs> here we are. And it doesn't, you know, so it's just one of those things and that really stuck with me in the way that she just allowed them to float away and she talked me through that till I was ready to do it myself and then she realized that and she's like okay now you've got it but yeah and then I'm curious (laughs) once you left that um therapy that, that therapy process where were you in that time of your life now too was that at the time like, uh, were, is that the time of you were still infertile and not getting your period? Were you, um, was that the time of the pregnancy? I'm curious now, just timeline wise, where, where we're at in your, in your story. So I, I, so she saw me through a lot of the recovery of my eating disorder in terms of I'd put on weight, I was struggling with that. Um, sorry, the animals are running around. That's okay. Um, so it just, uh, she really saw me through that recovery, through the weight game, which was also a big anxiety provoking moment. Um, and she, I don't think, I think I just stopped seeing her when I had gotten pregnant. Um, and yeah, but the things that she taught me, I mean, it was a whole other type of anxiety that I saw after that. Like it was, things were similar, but it wasn't the same and it was a whole different I was living alone not long after and it was just living alone and dealing with the grieving and all that different stuff it was just it was a lot Mm, yeah okay can you maybe give me give us the listeners more detail you said it was a different type of anxiety um what did the anxiety look like before and then what did that anxiety look like at, at that time of the pregnancy and the abortion and and how were those two different? It was I when I was dealing with anxiety with my body, with the anorexia, all that, it was very much body, like it was all about how I looked. Like I was anxious because I'd put mm. on weight and how that looked and how people saw me. I'd see right. pictures. It just, it was a, a body anxiety of how my image was. Yeah. With the pregnancy, it was just, it was in, anxiety involving the grief involving the uncertainty um of course it was at a point where did I make the right decision like but Mm. it was the anxiety of the person that it was with that wasn't super supportive and you know there was so many different things of oh what if somebody finds out will Mm. they like will this affect me will this affect my like my life what are people gonna think of me all these different things that I think come with it I think that with what abortion is seen at as it can be quite shameful at times like people there's this image that it I think it's getting better now but there was a lot of shame like I felt 
not so good about it at first because I felt like I'd done something wrong and it was my choice and why was I feeling this way and mm-hmm. yeah it was an anxiety around what what had happened in that and what people would think if they heard about it and how I was yeah. feeling and it was just I I don't even it was so many different things and I was so sad and you know it's just crazy yeah it, it is such a complex decision and there are so many pieces to this one moment and what I'm hearing from you is though you knew it was the right thing like it sounds like in your gut you knew it just wasn't the right time yeah there's still these questions of okay but but did I make the right decision and what are people going to say even though you knew it was it is it was true to you that this is a decision that you don't regret there are these other pieces that still come through and play a big part in in that process and, and you mentioned grief in there too and um what yeah like maybe what did that look like for you when you were I mean you were living alone you mentioned too and yeah I'm curious about that I just would get it was it was so weird because it came out in different actions and I couldn't explain why I was feeling this way I just I felt sad. I felt angry. I couldn't like, there was no, at this point it had been long enough that there were certain things like when I did have the abortion, they do insist that you go on some form of birth control. And that really freaked me out because Mm. birth control gained weight. And at that point it still did freak me out a little bit. Right. And I think that there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of lashing out. There was a lot of nights. Like I remember this one time where I lived in this 340 square foot, tiny little apartment. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I sat at home and I just drank and drank and drank and drank. And then I just mm-hmm. fell on the floor and just started crying hysterically. And I couldn't explain where it came from. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to look back and be like, oh, this was, this all stemmed from one situation because I didn't allow myself to grieve that it came out in a lot of different ways that I acted. And then every single year that November came around, my body could sense that that's the time when it happened. And my body Mm kind of knew and it was like, it was almost a sadness that washed over me. And I was like, why do I feel so sad? And I was like, oh, you know, but it happened in different ways. I didn't treat people the right way necessarily because I was angry and I was mad and I was mad with myself because I was feeling this way. And I think that everybody that's dealt with anxiety or grief or anything like that, that is you don't really recognize it as that at the moment. You don't really recognize grief as that at the moment. And you don't really necessarily, you made this choice to get an abortion. So why am I feeling like, why I made this choice? Why am I feeling like this? Why do I feel grief for something that I didn't even know? Like, I didn't need this. I barely even knew what was inside of me. Like, why am I feeling grief for that? Yeah. And it's, that's the part is that you don't understand where that grief is coming from. Right. Yeah. That resonates with me on a personal level as I've shared with you a piece of my story as well um and for me too it happened in November and I also feel yeah like that um you don't know it's so weird and it's that sort of message that like you're in such a short amount of time like your body remembers I think what what that event was and what happened there and um it sounds like for you it's like your mind couldn't totally process what was going on, but your body knew. And so then just that falling on the ground and like crying hysterically, you're, it's out there. You didn't know what was going on, but 
other parts of you knew what it had lost, I guess. Um, And And when you push it back, it just doesn't allow you to grieve. Like when you push it under, you grieve for that much longer and it just doesn't heal. Right, right. And, and so what did that, what does, what is that, what does that grieving process look like for you now? Would you say that um, you're still in that grief? I would say that I'm at the point, I think it's a whole different, like now I'm at the point where if I did get pregnant, I would keep it and it would be a different story. And I think at this point, there's some anxiety around, well, what if, what if I can't get pregnant? What if that was my Mm -hmm. one, you know, and it seems silly, but I think that if you've been through that, it's like, okay, well, what if I do go to get pregnant and then I can't get pregnant? And then, you know, it's just, it's a different time in my life, but I do still like every November, I do still feel a little bit sad, but I have the support. And I've also, I have allowed myself to have the support at this point in my life to have those open and honest relationships where I talk about how I'm feeling. And I talk about what it is that might be might be happening or what might be going on in my mind or my body. And I have a partner that's super supportive as well too. And he knows about it. And, you know, I think that that's so important and having people to understand that that was a point in your life, but it doesn't mean that that's where you are still, but it is still a process. Like I think that it's going to be something that always sticks with me and that's okay, but it's looking at it a different way than grieving. I'm not grieving anymore, but Mm. I had to allow myself to recognize that that grief, had happened but I wish that I'd allowed myself to grieve earlier because then I think Mm. that I would have felt a lot better a lot quicker right right like it's such it's still such an important part of the process and there's this desire that I wish I would have recognized it sooner to really give my myself the full time yeah peace and acceptance and I'm wondering though Megan um do you, I'm curious, like, did you reckon, like, is there, was there something stopping you, I guess, from recognizing that um, grief needed to happen? I'm, were you in that sort of stage where, oh, it's fine. Like I did this, but it's fine uh, that we had talked about previously. Yeah, I think I was just, it was very much of nobody really talked about, like I touched on, nobody really talked about the fact that there is a grieving process or that there is a time where you might not feel okay or like everybody just says oh yeah I feel fine after it like again it's very hard to even hear about it like the only way that I've ever heard about it I mean in most cases is that I come up first with it and I say hey like somehow mm-hmm. we get on that topic and then I hear about other people having it and it is a very normal thing like it is a very normal thing for women to have abortions like but everybody yeah. feels like they need to hush about it but by the time that you talk to people about it usually whether or not they felt the grieving process, whether or not they went through that, it's generally like, yeah, I feel fine. Like I'm fine because I think that it's a very scary thing to talk about. And maybe some people don't recognize the grieving process either. They don't see that that's even a thing, but I think that it's a very important thing to be talked about because it is such a change. Like how are you supposed to not grieve that? You know, Mm. it's just, you lost something by choice, but it's such an emotional, emotional time. It, your hormones are all over the place. It's just whether or not you have a supportive partner who does it with you, who doesn't, Mm -hmm. if you have the support system after, like, I think that there's a lot of different factors, but I think that it just, 
it needs to be talked about more. And I think that if I had recognized it sooner, I would have been able to heal a lot quicker and come to a point of acceptance because you should, it's, it's not anything to be ashamed of. It's nothing right. to be able to grieve and talk about it and have that support around you to talk about it and grieve mm-hmm. with somebody, not feel like you're so alone during it, you know? Right. And, and I hear you though, that, um, even that though you're not ashamed of it, there is that shame. And I'm wondering for you, Megan, like where, um, where does that shame come up for you that you felt like you couldn't talk about it? Um, is it okay to ask, like, was your, did your family know, did your friends know, um, or is it really just more that societal sort of like perspective on abortion that people who go through that have to keep it hush hush? Yeah, I think like I did my family, all my parents other than one pretty much knew about it. Um, my mom went through a lot of it with me. Um, Mm. and I had a couple friends that knew about it and I wasn't, none of them ever made me feel ashamed of it, but nobody really, I guess I wasn't open to talking about how I was feeling because I didn't really know how I was feeling, but nobody really, it was after that, it was kind of like, okay, it's done. Like, you know, and it just wasn't a topic. Like, I think when you see it in the way that it's set up, like the buildings in themselves, the situation in itself is very Mm -hmm. high security, very, Mm -hmm. it's very hush hush. You hear about a lot of things and you're just like, okay, maybe I shouldn't, like, I don't think it's appropriate to talk about how I had an abortion or Mm -hmm. does somebody want to, will somebody judge me if I tell them? Like, I still think about that now. I'm like, is somebody super against abortions that if I say something, they're going to just not want anything to do with me anymore. I am totally not ashamed of my choice because I know that it was the best choice, but there's still that little bit of shame when it comes to what other people might think. Mm. And I think that's the biggest struggle is because it's seen as such a, it's a very touchy subject. And I think that some people really do have their views on it, but I think until you're put in that situation where that is your choice, you, you can't judge because you don't, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what the process is like you don't know why the woman made her choice like we all have different reasons as to why we made our choices and that's okay we don't have to validate that to anybody yeah because it's an important like but we deserve the support and we deserve to be honest and we deserve to be open and we deserve to allow ourselves to heal because Mm -hmm. that's such an important part of it and I think we all hold on to it for way too long when it's just, mm. we could feel, we deserve to heal. We deserve to feel that peace with it. Yeah. I love that you just said that right now um, because it is, it is such a super charged subject. Um, yeah. And though we're getting better at talking about it, there is still this silence that comes from it, um, this fear. And I love what you just said right there about how though we, we owe it to ourselves to heal though. And it kind of comes down to, am I, what's more important, like keeping up that perceptions, uh, sorry, that perception, like that others have of us for them. And then I'm suffering and not grieving and, and not carrying that loss, but also that empowerment that this is what I chose. Um, and I, I just like, yeah, that really resonates to me of just, to, uh, with me, um, of just 
giving yourself the the opportunity to feel peace after after such a decision that really is not easy to make and I think there's that piece as well that some people may see it as like oh you just chose to do this because it didn't feel right or whatever and it's like there's a lot more to that feeling and there's a lot more to what came with that decision and it's not it's not easy it's not an easy decision well we support like I am all abortions I do support people that do go through with it and do decide that that's what they want and I think that we all just need to support each other in that and you know there's so much more like you said so much more behind it than just that choice like that is the ultimate choice yes that is the choice that we made but it like you any woman that's been through it knows that it's not an easy like there's so many different things that come up and there's so many different factors and it's a big process like you need to go Mm. through a lot of times like you go to the doctor and then you go, I had to go to my family doctor mm. and then uh, ultrasound to make sure like see everything. And it's just like, yeah. well, how, like, how are you not supposed to, to feel a lot more? Like it's such a big buildup too. how right. do you not feel what actually happened? Like, how do you not grieve over that sometimes? Yeah it is such a buildup as well too and there's so much more behind it and it is it's a big thing and it's not a light thing at all yeah so yeah and I think it goes back to what you're saying about um you mentioned earlier well I made this choice so am I allowed to feel that loss in some way because I chose to do this it's not like it was out of my control necessarily um and yet it still comes with it and yet there is still that loss and and yet we still still do deserve to heal from that and feel empowered about our decision. Um, and yeah, I just, I just love that piece that you said there clearly. Cause I keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's, it's so important. And I think that that's something that we can all have stay with us and something that we can pass along too, because I think that if we can help others who are going through this or are going through the grieving process, because it's hard not to beat yourself up sometimes and be like, well, you know, you feel a lot of that, whatever it is that you feel, it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it is something that people sit alone with and they don't tell a lot of people. So if we can reach out and say, Hey, this is, even if you don't talk about it after you hear this, even if you just hear this and it makes you feel a little bit more human and a little bit more okay, then that's all that matters is that, you know, that, and maybe it'll be a point where it allows you to talk about it a bit more with somebody, mm-hmm. even if you just find one friend and you say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but maybe it's this or that, but it's okay to feel something after that happening because right. it's, it's natural. It's, it's something that we all have to talk about more, I think. Yeah. And on that point, Megan, is there something that, um, your support system did that really helped you through that process or you know if if people are in a similar position or have friends that are maybe going through a a, like a similar situation um do you feel like there's a way that people can bring this up is or or and talk about it I think that just allowing yourself like if you if you leave yourself open if you hey, no matter what you're going through, I'm here if you need to talk about it. It's okay to feel the way that you're feeling or it's okay that you're feeling any sort of way. Um, But if you need somebody to talk to about it or even just, yeah, just letting them know that you're there because at the end of the day, you can't make somebody talk. They have to want to talk to you and they have Mm. to want to talk about it. But 
my support system has really allowed me to talk about it. I've surrounded myself with people that I trust and people that are open to hearing all aspects of what's going on because sometimes it's not pretty and sometimes you're not going to understand what a person's going through Mm -hmm. but you can listen and that's all that matters you don't have to give feedback you don't have to say anything at all you can just say I'm here to listen and sometimes as that person on the other side you just need somebody to listen you just need somebody to because you can write things down which is super helpful you can sit with them alone but sometimes all you need is for somebody to just listen to you and just sit there and yeah. not give any feedback, but just, Hey, I'm here. I understand that you're going through something. I might not understand it completely, but I do want to be here to listen to you. And mm. if you need anything, I will be there. And I think that that's, what's right. really important. Or when you need to hug somebody that just recognizes that and gives you a hug, you know, but right. I, just the listening for anybody that's trying to support somebody in any of the, I think mental health is a very hard thing to involving all of this because there's no right way to go about it. There's no right yeah. way to there's no right things to say if somebody's in some sort of moment, you say something and it could set them off still. And then Mm -hmm. it becomes a bigger issue. There's no right way to go about it. Just allowing yourself to be the support and say, Hey, I'm here. Mm, here If you need anything. Cause I think that that's, what's really vital because like I said, mental health is just such a broad thing that there's no right answer to it at all. Right. That it's just a state of, vulnerability and for the person who's struggling with any sort of mental health issue with any sort of stigmatized issue um, that's scary to be in and it does carry a lot of different emotions as you mentioned like that could set them off like maybe they're just not always ready to talk about it Um, and it sounds like though just opening up the opportunity to, to talk about it and to listen and whether or not that person reciprocates that whether or not they sort of take that olive branch, so to say, and, 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 and sit there with you. Um, it sounds like just being that person, being that, that open space for someone, um, and can, can just be enough and, and can really sort of propel that, that healing process. Yeah, exactly. I think that it's all that you can do because there's no magic. You can't just wave your magic wand and feel okay. It's a process and you really need to feel it, but you, as a person who's grieving or as a person that's going through any sort of mental health thing is the one that has to make the decision. Nobody can make that for you. Nobody can do the stuff for you. You have to actually do it. So as the person on the outside that's supporting, you need to understand that as well too, is that you can't do anything to help the person until they're ready to be helped. Right. And that's until they're ready to talk, you can't make them talk. I think that that's one of the most important things because there are, it's really teaching the people around you too, how to handle it. Like I've, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's hard in a relationship too, when you deal with mental health or any sort of grieving process, because you have to, everybody just wants to help and ask questions and everybody feels like they need to say something, but sometimes you don't have to say anything. You just have to say, I'm here. Yeah. Do you want to hug? Yeah. You know, like hugs are powerful. Hugs are very powerful. And sometimes you just need a good cry. And that's all it is. So I think it's important to recognize as the person on the inside and the person on the outside that you can't help anybody that doesn't want to be helped. And all you can do is support and do your best to support. And I'm here, you know? Yeah. 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 Really letting that person come to you. And I acknowledge that like I I'm I have that sort of like helper complex like I want to make someone feel good and yeah um and really being able to take that step back though and 
maybe that person doesn't want to feel good right now. Like maybe they want to actually sit in their sadness and wallow. And, and that's okay too, because that actually helps you start to accept the whole experience and kind of right. Being ready as that helper for anything, like being in it for the long haul. And um, so to say, and just really stick it through that person. I think, yeah, you're right. Like that's, that's what's so important. And I couldn't agree with that more. Like when you try to get somebody out of a situation where they're sad and being like, well, like, come on, let's get up and let's go, or let's go for a walk. I think a walk would make you feel better. And it's like, no, I don't want to go on a walk. I don't (laughs) want to like, I just want to sit in this moment right now. And I don't know how I'm feeling, but I don't want to get out there and feel better right now. And that's okay. And I could agree with that more when he said that. I'm like, that totally, like it, it is so true. And trying yeah. to get somebody out of that situation can be more frustrating right. than just allowing right. them to, you just need to sit with them or you need to give them space. And sometimes you just need to sit with your sadness or sit with whatever it is that you're feeling. That's a pro that is part of the process. Unfortunately, totally. it's, it's, it's part of it. So, mm-hmm. and, and now Megan, as we're, you're kind of sort of at the end or not the end. I shouldn't say that. There's really no end to the process probably. Um, <laughs> but the better part the, of it. Yeah. Like at a space where you're like able to talk about it on a podcast. Um, where do you think acceptance has come f- for you? Where, what has really helped you, I guess, to, to come to this space that you're able to talk about it on a public platform? I think just realizing coming out of it and like you said, it's not the end, but it is the happier part of it and the better part of it. And, you know, I've come full circle through it and it's, it's always been a point And I've always been like that with my mental health is that if I can share my story or if I could share one bit or be raw and open in ways, and if that mm-hmm. can make one person feel like they're not alone or feel like there's a whole other side to this, then that's all that matters to me sharing my story. You know what? Like, and I said this to one of my girlfriends the other night, I was like, if people want to judge me on my choice, then you can judge me on my choice, but I stand by it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the point in my life where I am a hundred percent okay with making that choice. And I mm-hmm. stand by it again and again and again, and I will stand by it for every other woman that makes that choice. And mm-hmm. I'm so proud of all of us that do go through it because it's not an easy choice. And it is a yeah. lot of, especially at such a young age too, it's such like, it's such a choice to make and whatever age you're at, but it just, it's not an easy choice all the time. Right. And if I can help somebody understand if my story can help somebody understand or make it easier on somebody, yeah. then that's all that matters to me because mm. I don't want to keep it to myself anymore. It's yeah. it a point where I'm okay. And I mean, I'm not going to go to work and announce it to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, a yeah. lunchtime public service announcement, yeah. just by the way. <laughs> Um, but I will be open about it and I'm open to talking about it and I'm open to open to talking about the whole process, whether or not I fully understand that right now. I don't know if I am ever going to understand certain parts of it, but I think that when you're given the chance, like what you're doing for all of us, and if we can Mm -hmm. help somebody, then I think that's so important. And when you get to this point, it's like, well, like, what am I, am I going to use my story to help somebody? Yes. I'm going to use it to help somebody because it's, it's what I feel comfortable with and I'm going to take that and use it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that bravery inspires me um, because it's hard. That's hard. It's hard to, 
I think it's tough. Yeah. I mean, to come to that acceptance that like, this is my choice and whether or not you want to say something about it, I'm the one that has to live with it. So I'm going to accept the choices that I've made. And to that point, then I'm going to use it to help others because that's how we're all going to heal together. Like it's sort of that togetherness that really makes us stronger. Um, and so I appreciate you so much, Megan, for coming on and being willing to talk about this because I do really think that it's going to help so many people who are in similar situations and hopefully get them to, to come to a place of acceptance as well. Yeah, I think that that's the importance in all of this. And hopefully we can reach so many people, people that have gone through it, people that haven't, people that are supporting people that have gone through it or you know, there's so much more to it than just being the person, people that have listened or are listening to this that are going through it or have gone through it, but also mm-hmm. the people that are the support system behind it or could also be a, be a voice to support people that have gone through it because it is so much more than that. And I really yeah. do appreciate you doing this. I think it's so important and I think it's so important that we're heard and that people have that chance to heal through all of this. And right through all the processes and not feel the shame that you shouldn't feel for it yeah yeah just that sense of empowerment yeah um before we end off I do want to ask as again as you're kind of at this place of peace and acceptance um is there anything that you would tell your past self, whether that's the past self who was going through um, the anorexia, whether that's the past self that was going through the abortion? Um, what would you tell that person? Just to stand tall and it does get better because there are mm-hmm. times where there were times where I just didn't think it was going to get better. And I just sat mm-hmm. in panic attacks and anxiety attacks and sat in that point where I didn't know that it was going to get better, but always telling yourself like it will get better it just is a process and that's what we all need to remember is that grieving for example is a process it is something that doesn't just happen overnight just like mm-hmm. anxiety is a process to, like depending on how obviously extreme you have it like there's there's all different levels of it all but for me riding the waves like there is it's going to be good it's going to be bad mm-hmm. it's going to be good it's going to be bad but I think that's with grief is that there is a way out it's just going through the process and understanding that it is a process and that it will get better and you just have to take each day because it's one of those things where one day you feel fine and the next day you're like oh why do I feel not so fine and then why does November roll around and all of a sudden I'm sad and you know so it will it will get better it is a process and it will get better but you just have to be patient and do the work Mm, do the work that's I think a piece that a lot of people don't want to hear that there's work behind it you gotta you gotta write it out you gotta scream it out you gotta cry it out you've got to talk to people you've got to reach out your hand sometimes Mm. and ask for the help that you need to because it doesn't always come that easy and people don't understand like the thing is that people don't always understand in particular with abortion they don't understand Mm. how to support somebody through it and that's okay but we can all learn from it yeah yeah, and this is like, like a great stepping stone. Your story is a great stepping stone for a lot of people to start that process, whether you're the person that's supporting, whether you're the person that needs to be supported. Um, so I say thank you so much for coming on thank today. You.
Um, I do have three little questions I like to ask my guests at the end of each episode. So are you ready for some human first podcast questions? I am. Okay. The first question is, what is one thing that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my support system and my journey. Hmm. I guess that's two things. I'm grateful for my support system. You can be <laughs> grateful for more than one thing. I won't, <laughs> I won't condemn you for that. Um, what are, or the second question is, um, what makes you feel like your best self? When I'm taking care of myself and I'm completely raw, open and honest with mm. who I am as a person. And the third question is, uh, what does being human mean to you? It means sharing your story and being, like I said, raw, open, honest mm-hmm. with yourself, the people around you, doing what makes you feel good and doing what, what you can do to support other people as well too, because we're all in this together and we all do share a lot of the same experiences and we share a lot of different experiences, but if we can help each other, then it makes us all feel better as humans too, because it's not, like I said, not all the pretty stuff. There is a lot of other stuff when it comes to being human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we are a lot more similar than we think. I, I think. Oh, definitely. I think we just need to talk about it and that's what it is. So just having the conversations and opening up the doors to say, Hey, I've gone through this, or this is what I'm going through. This is how I'm feeling. And it's okay to say you're not okay. Sometimes if somebody asks you how you are, you don't have to say I'm good every single time because it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Preach. <laughs> Love yeah. that. Um, well, thank you so much, Megan. It was like the best start to my morning chatting with you today. So I really do appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us your story. Thank you. I so forward to all of the things. I think that you're creating something super beautiful, important, and I'm so excited to see it all come together and hear everybody else's stories and really help each other in all of this. I think it's so great what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.